Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio, and our phone lines are open throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us, radio at agphd.com. I'm Darren Hefty here with my brother Brian, and I love, love, love Farmer Fridays. It's always fun. There's just a ton of questions that came in on email that we're going to get through, but look forward to having some conversation on the phone as well. All right, so we will get to the Ag PhD mailbag in just a minute here. Before we do, I just want to tell you, please be safe during harvest. So I don't know where you're at in the harvest process in your farm. Maybe you're all done already. But I just know that when it gets to late October in our region of the country, harvest has been going on for a while. And I'll say one thing, too. One of the first years that I was back on the farm full time, we got all done with harvest and we'd been pushing it and I was tired. And I just said to my dad something like, Oh, this is awesome. I'm so happy to be done with harvest. And he goes, done. We're just getting started. (laughs) I go, what do you mean? And he goes, well, we got tillage to do. We got fertility to do. We got all these other jobs in the fall. And quite frankly, anymore on our farm, um, we usually talk about tiling, fall herbicide application. We've got grain bin maintenance to do and checking bins. I mean, trucking, we have so much to do. So I can just tell you, my attitude went from, this is awesome, to totally deflated. And here's where I'm going with this. It gets to this time, a lot of times in our region of the country, where we've been going with harvest and all these jobs for a long time, and we're getting tired. And then it's a little discouraging when it starts to rain a little bit, and we still have all these other jobs we'd like to get done in the fall. And that's when you're most at risk for something bad happening to you. When you get tired, when you're discouraged, when you have all these other things that you're busy thinking about that, oh, I got to get this done. I got to get that done. You're stressed. You got to do everything you can to try to stay safe all the time and put safety in the forefront. So, I realize you probably have heard this a million times in your life, but there's nothing more important than safety. So just make sure you try your best to get as much sleep as possible, eat as good as you can, and just try to slow down just a little bit and make sure you're not trying to cut any safety measures. So I, I, you know what I'm talking about. Just try to be safe. Take your time. You'll get through it and just try to keep your head up. Because even like for me back then, oh, we had all these jobs to do. You know what? Eventually, we do get them done. It's just there's a lot of work to do every day. But I tell people all the time, it's a good thing we have lots of work to do. If we didn't, we'd be awful bored, number one. And number two, we'd never make any money. So you got to put the hours in. You got to get the jobs done. It'll get there. But be safe. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's now mailbag time with Brian and Darren. Got this one from Terry down in Kansas. Uh, we're in north central Kansas along the Smoky Hill River. Got a drainage issue in a field. Uh, we can drain it to an old lake bed. We can do an outlet there, but we may have to get deep with the tile. Just wondering what your thought about that is, if there's a, a depth we should be concerned about. Here's the reason we want a tile. This ground seems to have sealed in with some heavy soil because we're right along the river, and we just can't get water to soak in after a heavy rain. It, it takes a long time for that water to get away. 
Uh, so I get that question. And then also need to work with NRCS on this. Haven't done the tiling before, but they say if they determine it's a wetland, we won't be able to do anything there. Just wondering about that process as well. <laughs> Easy stuff, Brad. Easy, right? Well, okay. Let, let's talk about NRCS first. So don't ever forget that the reason why NRCS was originally con- created was back in the 1930s, it was called Soil Erosion Service. Not, hey, we need to try to create more duck pond service. It was Soil Erosion Service, okay? Their stated number one goal was what? To reduce erosion. There are two things you can do to reduce erosion dramatically. Number one, stop tilling, okay? Number two, and you know, it's, it's not a close number two, but it's fairly close. Number two is tile. And you might say, what? How is tile that great at reducing erosion? It just is. When you allow water to soak in, it's way better than having it run off. And the more that can soak in, the less erosion you have. So I'm just trying to say NRCS is actually your friend when it comes to drainage. Now, you might have local people you're dealing with who are not your friends and they don't get the big picture and they hear all this other nonsense about, well, you know what, we're just going to call it a wetland even if it's not. That's ridiculous. Okay, If you've been farming this for 50 years, you should be able to tile it and you just have to keep running it up the flagpole till eventually you get it done. It might take you three to five years, but eventually NRCS will approve it as long as you've always farmed it. Okay. In terms of answering this other question, if you aren't getting water to soak in, tile can help, yes, but you have to look at what's my composition of that soil. We want that calcium level over 65% first of all. That's the first step. The second step is just getting crop to grow in there and reducing our tillage enough. I'm not saying totally, but reduce tillage enough so you start building up soil organic matter. So if it's me and I have ground like that, I'll tell you exactly what I'm doing. Number one, I'm putting tile in. Number two, I'm either putting on lime or gypsum to raise my calcium level. Number three, I'm looking at all other nutrients because I want to have great fertility so I can raise a great crop. Number four, I'm probably going to go to strip till rather than all-out tillage. And number five, I'm going to plant corn. If I plant corn for the next 10 years, go strip till and do all these other things I'm talking about, I will build my soil organic matter at least 1% and hopefully 2 in that amount of time. But when I do all that, eventually what's going to happen is 5, 10 years down the road, you're going to have soil that will suck a lot more water in or it'll allow more water in faster. The percolation rate will be a heck of a lot better. So anyway, I, I, I would say I'm a little bit concerned when you say I'm going to drop it into an old lake bed because eventually that's going to fill up in a wet year. I'm not saying from your tile water. I'm just saying from rain period. So it concerns me a little bit that in your worst times, you may not be draining this ground. So if it's me, I'm trying to find a, a real outlet, a waterway, a river, a stream, something, so I can always have drainage regardless of what I have for natural rainfall. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Stay tuned. You work for results. That's why the Enlist Weed Control System gives you flexible tank mixing, near zero volatility, a wide application window, and proven weed control. Because the Enlist system was built for your results. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. 
enlist.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Don't let resistant weeds win on your field. Herbicide-resistant weeds are a fierce competitor of corn growers. Tough 5EC, a selective contact herbicide manufactured by Belgium Crop Protection, can help. Tough 5EC synergizes HPBD inhibitors and enhances the effect of PS2 herbicides. Add Tough 5EC to your post-emergence tank mix team and beat resistant weeds. Ask your local retailer about Tough 5EC or visit BelchumUSA.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday here from the Morton Studio. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. I see they're already starting to light up. Also, you can email us, radio at agphd.com. And I want to say this, too. I, I've talked to a few people uh, this fall that have said, yeah, I always want to call into your radio show, but I just figure I won't get on. There'll be too many people. You know, some days there are quite a few people, but we managed to get everybody on. So unless you wait and try to call in the last three minutes of the show or something like that, we can usually get you on. So if you got a question, go ahead and ask. We really like to hear from you. And if you just want to talk about, hey, here's how harvest went on our farm and here's what we're seeing in our area or, or whatnot, that's good to hear too. Start off down in Iowa. Got our friend Tony Wendler on right now with us uh, with Farm Shop MFG. Tony, I bet your phone's ringing off the hook now with all the grain that's going in the bins around the country. Hey, we are uh, we are staying busy talking with people about uh, moisture management. Um, the interest in the conversation has changed from uh, a few weeks ago, a month ago, it was dry beans to now there are uh, a lot of people talking about wet beans. And uh, then we've still got uh, some of the people have got bins full of dried beans, and now they're thinking, man, I should have done that. And so we're coaching them through how we can still get our system into it. You so know, lots of interesting conversations. I'm glad you brought that part up, Tony, because I have gotten that uh, from a few farmers that I've talked to that have, have brought up this topic, and they've said, well, I already got my beans in the bin, so it's, it's too late for this year. Is it too late, or, or what do you have to do to get set up? No, the, uh, we've got people that are doing uh, several different ways. Some are just uh, putting a fan control, which they can set the, uh, the temperature and humidity when the fan will run, and over time it will bring the beans to that average of what they're setting it to. So it will bring them to 13 eventually. Uh, others are uh, doing things like this. That uh, If you went to the website, we've got what we call a bin spear that uh, – on the, uh, the the access door down below, there's usually uh, a flip a flip thing, or uh, there's a slide that you can open up to the grain. 
Uh, we've got a conduit. We show how to make a conduit probe to put in there that we can slide our sensor in. So you've got a low sensor reading. The other one will zip tie to the exterior ladder, run it into the roof, put in the top. When you get those two reading really close to the same thing, the grain in between is typically going to fall right in line. So uh, those are your indicators of what you've done. Now you've, you can see what's going on in the bin and regulate your fan control, be more aggressive, less aggressive on adding moisture to or taking moisture out of. And uh, it, it actually works pretty good. I've got a lot of people who are uh, doing that. Bin spear is easy to make, probably cost you 10 bucks. And uh, next year you can go mount all the equipment in properly. So there you go. Yeah, it's never too late to to get started. And also, you know, when you think about some of the variability that's been out there this year, bin fan controls are just a great way to to deal with some of that and even things out in the bin and not not have to worry cuz the the other side of this, Tony, is I've talked to guys saying, oh, man, it's been such a pain in the butt trying to uh, take dry beans out of the one bin, wet beans out of the other bin and blend them together so I don't take a dock at the elevator. It, yeah, it is. <laughs> that is difficult to do if you're trying to blend things off. Oh, it, it's incredibly challenging. It all depends on how well they're probing and how, uh, you know, I, I've seen some people blending where they've got two augers running the stream right together. But there's not a lot of farmyards you can set up and do that. And if you're not blending it like that, there's always the risk of uh, how they're doing their sampling that uh, you're still going to get docked. Okay, so, here's... And, Oh, I had one more question for you, Tony. I just wanted to get to, too. Uh, so the other thing that I've run into is a lot of farmers are really frustrated right now with all the supply chain issues and just how long it takes to get things. If someone talks to you at Farm Shop MFG and says, hey, I want to get bin fan controls, how soon can you work with those people? Uh, we can send out monitors if they want monitoring equipment. Uh, we can generally ship the monitoring equipment within about 24 to 48 hours. And the uh, fan controls uh, are, we've got a, a bunch of them that are about 85, 90% done. I complete them once we know exactly what the configuration will be on the bin, uh, how many uh, monitors will be tied to each unit because they're, they're, they're tailored to whatever is ordered. And uh, at that point, you know, I typically say from an order to shipping, I can usually get them out of here in about 48 hours. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, that's pretty quick. And that's, that, that's why I brought it up, Tony. I know it's just been so smooth uh, working with you on projects and, and how quick you get after things. Hey, the other thing, too, uh, a lot of farmers that listen to the show say, okay, uh, maybe I have been fan controls uh, and I, I just have some questions about running them, or maybe I'm interested in a little bit more information. Go to farmshopmfg.com. You can find Tony's contact information there. He's just been a super guy for us to work with. That's why we like to bring him on the show and, and ask him these questions. Tony, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. Hey, Good luck to you here the rest of the fall. Hey, Darren, could I throw one other thing in? Okay. I can tell you a real quick story. A couple weeks ago, I was asked by Yields. Uh, the uh, My last field of beans, uh, and uh, I'm not going to say the name of the seed company, uh, but their initials are Hefty Seed Company. The uh, It is the first time in farming that I had yields above 70 bushel. I was thinking back in July and August, I would be collecting insurance on all my fields. And I've never had over 70 bushel out of a field. I'm so impressed. And the other thing on those, those were beans on beans. 
uh, awesome. Uh, and that's, uh, you might get uh, in the past, you might see 70 or 80 in a part of the field, but not the whole field come out. Wow. With an average in excess 70. So that is awesome. Well, uh, well, thanks for that, Tony. We appreciate that. And, and yeah, that's uh, that's a testament to a lot of hard work along the way. Cause it was not an easy year to raise big yields. Yeah, no, that's, they did awesome. So I'm really pleased with those things. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Tony. Yep. You take care. Have a great weekend. Thanks. You Bye. Bet. You too. Let's head over to Minnesota. Got Chuck on with us right now. Chuck, how you doing? We're doing wonderful. Thank you for taking my call. Appreciate it. I uh, got my soil test back. Sulfur and boron bother me. Uh, parts per million on boron is 0.5 and sulfur is 1.9. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's low on both sides. Uh, now, when you're part of Minnesota, did you were you blessed with some rain this year or were you in a dry area? No, the, the weather's been absolutely beautiful for us this year. Um, all through spring, summer, fall, we couldn't ask for a, a better weather uh, situation. This awesome. Year. Awesome. Well, that's good. Well, I was going to say, I'm betting that you got some rain because both of those nutrients, sulfur and boron, are pretty easy for the crop to take up and they're also leachable. So if you had good yields, chances are you sucked about everything up into your crop, which is great. Uh, the downside is you got to put some back on. So the I would say this, we, we look at N, P, and K first because we need a lot of pounds of those. Then sulfur's next. And we, we've really found good results getting more sulfur out, even than what people are talking about because just a 200 bushel corn crop is going to remove 20 pounds. Pounds, we probably want to have 50 out there just to make sure that we've got enough for the stocks and and we know we aren't going to be able to take it all in. So the question is, how are you going to do that? Whether you're putting out some ammonium sulfate as part of your nitrogen supply, or you're just putting out some elemental sulfur or, or really any kind of sulfate sulfur out there, that would be what I'd be looking at. And I'd probably be doing it in the spring if you don't get it done this fall. What about the boron then? Well, have you got heavy ground where you're at, Chuck, or are you in a lighter soil area? Heavy ground, like okay. clay. Okay, well, I know in Minnesota, you're going to be frozen in about a month. It doesn't really matter where you're at in Minnesota. It's going to get cold. Right. And on our heavy ground with, with good uh, calcium levels and good organic matter, we really feel pretty confident in putting boron out in the fall. We've had good luck with it. Now, our, our listeners down in the south probably can't get away with some of those things, but, but we sure can here because we're not going to lose it. Our ground's going to be frozen for six months. So we've been putting boron out in the fall. We've had really good luck. We've been putting out a dry product uh, where we're getting several pounds out per acre, but you might just want to start with a couple of pounds per acre and work your way up from there as you get comfortable with rates. So like the boron, what I put on, like four or five pounds per acre, or what are you thinking? If you can, uh, we I would say do that in a small area first. Uh, what we did on our farm, we're going to run up against a break here, Chuck, so I'll, I'll hold you on okay. here if you have just an extra minute. Uh, but what we did on our farm, we did a little experiment, and Brian wanted to try it on my farm uh, and putting five pounds out. And we decided, no, no, let's put it on Brian's. I'll tell you our results here in just a minute. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. 
Get an extra semi-load out of your grain bin. The end zone from FarmShop MFG can increase your stored beans moisture from 10 to 13%. On a 20,000 bushel bin, that's a free extra semi-load. Visit FarmShopMFG.com for more. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Winter is here, and that means it's the perfect time to improve your farming operation by attending Ag PhD's winter workshops and clinics. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are hosting a bunch of free workshops throughout January and February, with each event focusing on different subjects that all help you make more money on the farm. On January 11th, we start off with a wheat agronomy workshop, followed by two days dedicated to understanding soils and cutting fertilizer expenses. Then on Monday, January 31st, we're dedicating a whole day to drainage and the benefits of tile, followed by our corn agronomy workshop on February 1st. Finally, we'll be discussing soybean agronomy on February 15th, with the next day fully devoted to learning about one of the newest developments in increasing yields across the country, natural and biological products. We have a lot of great information on how to improve your farm, and we can't wait to share it with you. Best of all, all these events are free, so be sure to check them out. Learn more and register at agphd.com. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards. And that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Just before the break, we were talking with Chuck over in Minnesota, and we, we held Chuck on because I couldn't get to my points quick enough, Chuck. Sorry about that. Uh, no problem. So we're talking about sulfur and boron, and this is so common. Sulfur is something you've got to add every year. And boron, if you're down in that 0.5 parts per million, which is very average, that's we see so many soil tests here every week. And I'd say that's about average what we see on boron, and we'd like that to be one part per million or more. On our farm, we think the number might even be two or three parts per million, and we're, we're building up boron levels in some fields. And the way we've done it, we put dry boron out in the fall. It's a way cheaper way to do it. We could put roughly five pounds of dry boron on for the cost of one pound in a liquid product. Now, I'm not bashing the the liquid borons. There's some excellent liquid boron products that completely can move the needle in terms of yield. 
we, we've seen it on our own farm where we put it on at the right time and, and it really helps us if that's what we need. But we can do it cheap by putting on the dry just like we can building up NP and K when we've got heavy ground. So we've gone as high as five pounds per acre of actual boron. And I get it. Uh, all, the, all of our friends at the universities are going to say, oh, man, Darren, don't say that. Don't say that on air. Uh, there's a lot of qualifiers in that. We want to make sure we've got at least 60% base saturation calcium and we've got good heavy ground with some organic matter. Then, then we're a lot safer doing those kind of things. Thank you very much. I appreciate your show. You bet. And, and hey, on the Boron 2, broadcast it. Uh, we've had some guys banned really high rates. We're not doing that with our strip tiller. That we're putting out in a broadcast just for another added safety feature, just to spread it out even more so we don't have too much concentration. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Thanks, Chuck. Good luck. Yeah, it's so awesome when uh, Chuck said in his area of Minnesota, they just had a great growing season. I was talking to uh, another grower over in Minnesota earlier today on the phone and said they are absolutely crushing some some fantastic yields in parts of Minnesota. I know there are other parts of Minnesota that are struggling, but, man, they've got some good soils over there when they hit the weather right. It's it's pretty nice. All right, let's head over to Illinois. you got Mark on with us right now. Mark, thanks for calling in. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. You bet. What can we do for you? You got a question or you got a, just a comment about how harvest is going? Uh, just our harvest is uh, uh, rapidly coming to an end in, in our area. The uh, beans, uh, we aim to get beans done this week. And I, the weather forecast uh, for our area today, uh, I didn't think had rain. So it wasn't really on my agenda. So we didn't quite make it. Uh, but uh, anyhow, the most folks in our area is about done with beans. And, awesome. Uh, there'll be some more corn to go yet. So that's kind of kind of what goes on down in our, our neck of the woods here in, in the lower part of Illinois. So what are you seeing for yields this year, Mark? Are guys happy with how yields have gone? Has it been uh, kind of average yields? What, how would you classify them? Uh, for the, what I've heard around, most of the folks feel like, like it is uh, above average. Um, pretty pretty happy with things. There are pockets uh, seen in our area pockets that were better than others. We did have a hail event here uh, on our home farm, and uh, that affected some things uh, a little bit. But I think overall, most folks are pr- pretty happy about how how the season has went for us, and and very blessed by by what we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. We we've, we've been looking at markets for next year's crop already and just trying to make some decisions as uh, you start doing tillage or fall fertility or these kinds of things. I know we spread some manure already. Uh, we just got done with that last week. And so we kind of had to decide which fields are going to be corn and which fields are going to be something else. Are you sticking with your rotation going into next year, Mark, or is that up for negotiation depending on how the markets turn out? Um, for for our farm, uh, we need to stick to the same rotation, um, and and that has a lot to do with we put manure on as well. Which if if you're that good at getting the manure on, why don't you come down here? And <laughs> this this is uh, the earliest ever for our farm, Mark. In fact, the guys called. They're like, "Hey, we can get you in right now. Otherwise, uh, it's going to be a little bit before we're back in your area." And yeah. we were all over that. We're like, "Yes, we're we're actually done with harvest," and we I think. We had uh, just a couple fields left to go, so I know the last field they spread manure on, we were hustling to finish that one up so they could spread that too, but 
oh man, that was so nice. And now we're working on some strip till acres and, and different things. What do you have for fall work? Once you get the crop off, do you do, you've got manure. So obviously you're probably doing some tillage, putting that in. Do you, do you have some other things that you have to do after harvest? Uh, pretty much we'll just, we'll come in and, and uh, we have turkey litter. So we'll, we'll spread that and work it in um, as, as the, what's required. And we're trying to do a lot of that or more of that with vertical tillage as best we can. Um, I, we are working on a couple of farms that uh, I want to get things kind of leveled back up. And um, so we've done some deep tillage on that. But, but for the most part, for our area, um, some disking or some uh, chisel piling, that type of thing. Sure, sure. How about on the fertility end? You mentioned the, the turkey litter, and I, I love it when you've got access to some litter or some manure. That's fantastic. Uh, commercial fertilizer, though, kind of spendy. What what are you hearing in your area? Can you even get fertilizer? And are the prices through the roof for you as well? You know, I, I, that I have not checked um, because I, I don't worry as much. We have pretty much enough to cover our uh, acres. Oh, awesome. Uh, I'm not as worried about that. Now, what I hear is uh, the fertilizer is available down down here. Um, and prices, um, is what I've been told, uh, are going to go up. Uh, you know, that's inevitable, I guess. So, sure. Um, there, I, I, I am seeing the uh, fertilizer dealers are, are running out and running. And I, I'm seeing a lot of lime being put on as well now. Yeah, that's that's a good point. I've seen a bunch of lime moving here in our area too. So, yeah, I, I'm glad we're getting the fall. We have, a, I would say, a lot of guys in our area are pretty close to done, but we caught some more rain again, and so we'll see. It was even a little bit of sleet in there this morning, which I really don't want to see oh, wow. quite yet. We're uh, having a little bit of an issue getting uh, a place to stick beans. Uh, most of the elevators are, are at, at least for this week, they were full. And so that, that's kind of the, our sticking point right now. And I think for everybody, minus the weather of today, but uh, um, rapidly coming to a close here as well. You bet. You bet. Well, good luck to you, Mark, as, as you get things finished up. Hopefully the weather cooperates. Everybody can, can just move on and get to the next job this fall. Yeah. Thanks again. I do appreciate your show you very bet. much. You bet. Well, thanks a lot. Really appreciate what you're doing. It's uh it's a big year this year, and, and with the whole uh, pandemic and everything else, crop production is super, super important, as evidenced by uh, some of the supply issues going on and also the prices for, for these crops that are out there. Got to Speak about something national political. Got this one from AM who says, uh, guys, keep talking about carbon dioxide and plants. I don't think the folks in Washington completely understand that. Uh, I just had a chance this morning to talk to somebody who's uh, been involved in a lot of the stuff going on in, in D.C. and now is back working in, in our home state of South Dakota. And I was asking her that, too. I said, do you think they really understand how plants are, are putting this carbon in the ground. And, you know, there's a lot of guys in our state that have gone no-till for moisture conservation. A number of those guys, especially in the wheat rotations, are using cover crops and have been for many years. And, you know, are they going to get credit for that when some of these carbon programs get started? And she said, oh, believe me, we're working hard to make those people in Washington aware of that. But uh, thank you so much, Am. We really appreciate the comment. And we'll, uh, we'll keep doing our best here to spread the word on that too. All right. I uh, got a question here from Doug and he said, I'm just wondering, you're talking about your dairy manure. Did you guys use a nitrogen stabilizer? 
I'm going to take a guess here and guess that Brian would say no because your ground is frozen for six months. Uh, and also just wondering, how about for us that are a little further south? Hey, thanks, Doug. We appreciate the question. So you're right. The answer is no. Didn't didn't use a nitrogen stabilizer with the manure application. We did incorporate all of that deep in the soil right away. And you're right. We're going to freeze. So we're going to be fine. Uh, also, we didn't run with a very high rate. So we weren't putting on as much nitrogen nitrogen as you would think. But going forward in future years, if we're putting on manure this early and we feel like there's lots of season left, we may do something just a little bit different. So yeah, if you're further south and you're putting on manure and the soil is going to stay warm, absolutely. I think that would be a good idea. Take more of your calls and questions coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. When it comes to harvest, every kernel counts. And nothing captures more kernels than the new Drago GT or the proven Drago Series 2 corn heads. Both have automatic self-adjusting deck plates, and the new Drago GT features quad suspension deck plate ear shocks for even greater harvest efficiency. Nothing in the field captures more yield. For more information on Drago corn heads, go to dragotech.com. That's dragotec.com. Fill once, plant all day. The Thrive 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? Hi, Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds, including kochia, mare's tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E dot com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can email us radio at agphd.com as well. Got Jeff down in Arkansas with us right now. Jeff, how's it going? Pretty good. From the combine. How are you today? Excellent. Okay. What what crop are you in and, and are you happy with the numbers you're looking at on the monitor? Uh, soybeans are last hundred and well, about 210 acres. Okay. And, um, not too bad right now. Um, dry land running about 49. Okay. So not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. All right. So after soybeans, have you got anything else out there or is this the last crop to come in this fall? This is our last, all our rice is in, all our corn's in, and all but that little bit over 200 acres of soybeans is in, so we're we're doing pretty good. Outstanding. Yeah, Brian was just talking. A lot talking. better than last year. You know, my, <laughs> bro- my brother was talking earlier today, and he goes, man, it's at this point of harvest, I start worrying about everybody just being so worn out and tired, so you might actually get a good night's sleep here after this is done. Yes, we may. It's been a long, hard, about seven and a half weeks. Oh boy! So, with no, we only we only had really one rain break of all the harvest. We had one that shut us down for a day, but we had one rain that took us down for three days, four days, three days. So, besides that, it's been been a pretty good run. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so what happens next? I know what happens next on our farm, and we're a long ways north from where you're at. How about where you're at? What do guys do in the fall? We got about 400 acres of wheat left to plant, and um, that we need to get in by the 15th of next month. And then tillage for getting ready for getting everything worked up and getting ready for rice on March 1st and beans right after that all right so you got a bunch of crops that you're rotating through which is wonderful because usually uh there's a there's a crop or two that turn out a little bit better what about next year do you stick with the rotation or are there some opportunities that you've got with some of these crops well i i really don't think we're going to do any corn next year input costs is just outrageous right now for corn down here and um, I'm sure it is everywhere, but we're really looking at um, not putting any corn acres in next year for that and maybe adding some milo acres that uh, we haven't grown milo in a couple of years. So thinking about taking our corn acres and moving them over to milo just to make it more economical. You know, we've been talking about that a lot for our own farm as well, about what we're going to do. Now, we're fortunate we've got a dairy that's right by us, so we got a bunch of manure. So I know on those acres we're yeah. going corn next year, which is nice when you don't have to buy commercial fertilizer, which is insane right now for, for yeah. a price. Uh, what do you see in these other crops? Talk, talk to us about rice. Talk to us about uh, what nutrition is like for that crop, because that's that's not totally cheap either. Oh, no. it's It's not um, it cost us roughly right at $600 an acre to grow a rice crop. Wow. So, and, but, you know, we're, we're about a hundred and we're about 187, I think, is our farm wide average this year on rice. So, you know, compared to corn 
it cost us it cost us more to grow a corn crop than it does to grow a rice crop, even though we're watering. But we do rice a little different. We do row rice. So we do not do flood irrigation. We water rice in feral irrigation. Huh. So okay. we are, we're watering every three days and not holding a flood. And um, so we've been, we've been doing row rice now for, this is our third year, and it's, it's really brought our cost of operations down a lot labor wise and and input wise so it costs us a little bit more in weed control but what it saves us in labor per acre on flood irrigated rice it, it easily covers the cost of that weed control wow yeah that's that's interesting yeah it's always something different so why did you get started doing it that way did you know somebody else that was doing it and being successful or did you just say hey for what it, yep. what we'd save it's going to be worth the try I'm sure y'all have crossed paths with him. It's uh, a guy over in central Arkansas named Adam Chapel. Okay. And um, Adam's been in a lot of the publications because he's really into regenerative ag. And um, he started doing row rice. And one of my reps was telling me about it. And I didn't believe him. So I went over and walked his rice field with him one day after in the middle of the season. And I walked it in tennis shoes and shorts. <laughs> and got out and looked at it, and I said, um, then I went back over at Harvest and watched them do a little cutting one day after we had finished, and they were still cutting, and I was sold. And so we we bought some equipment and um, got into it. All we really had to do was get um, a lister bar to help clean up beds because we're on beds for corn and beans anyway. So what it's done is it's, when we come out of a bean crop um, with those beds, we just go in and lister the beds and clean the beds up and come right back in and drill rice on top of the beds and go from there. So we, we get to capture that in from the beans that it's leaving behind to give a little boost because we always rotate rice right behind beans anyway. Sure, sure. Yeah, that's interesting, and it's so awesome when farmers open their doors and say, yeah, come take a look, see what I'm doing, see if it works for you. I think think that's a great way to do it, learn from each other. Oh, that's the only way we're going to do it is, you know, we all try things, and, you know, down here and everywhere, and, you know, I'm just glad some people are willing to open up and tell us. The good part about Adam is he's, um, he's pretty good with his failures, too. (laughs) <laughs> so if he does something that doesn't work, he, he he doesn't hide it too well, and I really like that about him. So yeah, it's uh it's been interesting. You know, you take you watch him and Perry, and you you can about cover every crop in eastern Arkansas and figure out what's working and what's not working. You bet, you bet. Well, thanks for sharing that story, Jeff. That's awesome. I, I love hearing positive stories. That's that's the kind of stuff that we need to see in the media, not all this negative stuff that's out there. Talk about people <laughs> helping each other out. You're not kidding. I mean, this year you've had to help everybody because our biggest challenge this year has been parks. We haven't been able to get anything hardly. And, um, you know, if if it wasn't for neighbors helping neighbors, there's there's a bunch of folks that would have a whole lot of crop left still standing in the ground that's been out. It almost feels like it almost feels like the 90s again when people actually care about each other. So that's one thing I can't say about it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'd be the same thing up here too. Well, Jeff, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Good luck to you here as you finish this last little bit of soybeans and, and uh, hopefully get a little sleep as well. 
All right. I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. You bet. You too. Uh, let's head over to Virginia. Got Dan on with us right now. Dan, how's it going in Virginia? Oh, it's pretty good, I guess, Darren. How are you? Good, good. Uh, what What's happening on your farm right now? Are you in the middle of harvest, too? Uh, sort of. I've, I've been taking a break here to let the corn dry down a little bit. I haven't cut anything less than 24% so far. So uh, these past few days has been nice and dry and sunny. So that'll hopefully speed things along. Absolutely. Yeah, that's it's been a challenge on the East Coast. I've heard a lot of guys talking about soybeans and they've struggled getting them out. How are you doing on soybeans? Well, actually, I haven't even started, and that uh, that kind of brings me to one of my questions I wanted to ask you today. Um, we, I mean, we've been in a terrible drought pretty much from, I'd say, April all the way until the end of August. Then all of a sudden it started raining again. So the, you know, the corn yields have been pretty well junked so far, but uh, I think the beans have made a good comeback. The only thing is, is that... Uh, I've still got leaves on it and the stems are still just gourd green and uh, you know, and it, it didn't have the first thing of fungicide sprayed on it other than just the seed treatment when I planted it. I don't, do you, would you know what causes that? I mean, usually by now the leaves have dropped off and things are getting pretty brown. All right, Dan, we're up against a break here and I, I do have an answer for you about what's going on with these beans and we've, we've seen it too in, in our area where guys have had drought and then caught some late rains uh, that, that the beans were just hanging on there. We'll talk about that more right after this short break. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. If you've ever wondered how the farm all got its name, Here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmall. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. If you understood everything on a soil test and could make your own fertility plan, do you think you could cut your farm's fertilizer expenses? Maybe you could increase your yields. Why not both? I'm Darren Hefty. We want to empower you to make your own fertility decisions. That's why we're devoting two full days to our Ag PhD Soils Clinic this year, January 12th and 13th at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. This could be the most important two days that you spend in your farming career, and it's all free. So register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, a tiling clinic, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. What's new from New Farm? 
Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest Premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can also email us, radio at agphd.com. And just to get everybody back up to speed, we got Dan that we held on over the break here. He's in Virginia. He's had a tough drought from April through August, and the corn yield's a little disappointing. But he's got a question on the beans that, they they looked tough, but then we caught some rain later, and now they greened back up. So we still have leaves on, still have uh, green stems, and it's got nothing to do with the fungicide application because he didn't put one on. So he's just wondering what's what's happening with these green beans. Is that about accurate, Dan? Yes, sir. Yeah, so... Can we, you hear me? Yep. Oh, yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. Okay, sorry. yep. Sorry. Brian was just muted, my, and yeah, I was enjoying mic- that. I started to talk, and then I realized my microphone was muted. Much. But anyway, um, yeah, we, we saw that all over the country in our region, I should say, of the country this year because we had drought-stressed crop, and then we got rain late, and the plant lived at, at, in the end, and it actually, in some cases, thrived. So what you're seeing is not unusual. It's just kind of the way that the soybean works under stress conditions. Okay, so essentially it just kind of pushed the maturity back a little yep. bit? Yep, and then the, okay. the, other, the other thing that you're going to love is going out there harvesting green stems and going about two miles an hour. So I'm joking here, of course. But, I mean, well, this I've was done, the— I've done that before, <laughs> and I, that's not a whole lot of fun. <laughs> that, that was a big frustration a lot of guys had in our region is they're like, I can't believe I'm out there going. It looks like the plant's green, but all the beans are dry. So it does get a little bit misled leading where and what I'm saying here is you can't just go by what you usually have saying oh I'm driving past the field at 60 miles an hour and it's all brown time to harvest you have to physically go out there and check those beans because yeah we had beans that were green top to bottom yet all the beans inside were dry and so I'm going all right well I guess we got to roll well I, when I say roll I mean go very slow with the combines it's going to be a pain but we got her done so anyway you're going through the same thing it sounds like well, should I be one of those guys that now roots for a frost to come in here and, and even things up a little bit? Okay. So this is uh, one of I'm the things. I'm glad you brought that up, Dan. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a great question. Yep, it is. And this is one of the things every year I hear from a lot of soybean farmers. 
Look, if the beans are finished, so if it, and by beans, what I mean is the soybean inside the pod, if it has disconnected itself from the pod, now you are fully safe, safe from frost. But what happens a lot of times and where a lot of guys are rooting for this frost or when they're rooting for the frost, the beans have not disconnected from the pod. They're still technically filling, and I don't want to see a frost at that point. So either way, I mean, there's nothing we can do to control this anyway. I'm just saying I'm not praying for a frost hardly ever. I'd way rather have green stems and have to go slow as opposed to suffer a little bit of yield loss. Okay. All right. I understand. Yeah, I've got some uh, some double crop beans after wheat. That, yep. Yeah, I, I don't think they're quite done yet. So maybe a frost <laughs> wouldn't be so good for them. Nope, probably yeah. not. So yeah, I know everybody gets excited about harvest, but you know what I like is making money. So I don't care when I harvest exactly. I, I mean, granted, I want to do it before it snows if I can, but I, I, I just want to do have our beans do as good as they can. So yep, I know it's just a little unusual. Thanks for the question. Hopefully things turn out great for you on your farm. All right. Well, I hope so, too. Well, that does it for me. I think I'm all out of questions. I appreciate the help, guys. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Dan. Well, hopefully you get your hands full out in the field and get rolling on this harvest here. I know a lot of guys on the East Coast, if uh, if if you're listening from a different part of the country and you haven't been keeping up, man, there's a lot of beans out there that the guys just been struggling to try and get out of the field. Uh, how about in Indiana, though? Let's go over there. Kendall's up next. How you doing, Kendall? I'm doing really well today. Good, good. How's harvest going? Well, the harvest is slow here in northwest part of Indiana. Um, it just continually rains, and actually yesterday and today our weather forecasts look good. There's nothing on the radar, but it's just kind of an off-and-on mist all day, no sun, all clouds, no wind, and that's not good for bean cuttings. Oh, it is so frustrating. And so for, for any of our non-farm listeners, uh, you may be wondering, why is everybody complaining about beans? So, Kendall, why don't you share with that, what happens when you get this, this misty condition or lots of humidity and, and it just doesn't have any sunshine? What, why can't you go on soybeans? Right. Well, soybeans, it, it takes some dry weather. Actually, an ideal day would be sunny and breezy. Um, you, you've got you've to get the, the stem dry. Um, to go through the combine and then the pods actually the pods that the beans are in that we're harvesting um, if those are a little bit tough they won't pop open and then the beans won't come out of those you've got to shell those out of the pods and then that's that's what we have to market that's the crop that we have and so it's different than corn corn is totally different this weather we could be we could be working with corn but we're done with corn because we've had so much of this kind of weather uh, that's moved us to get our corn acres all finished and, and left with, with beans. Normally, it's not this way. Normally, when the when it's fit, we go, we cut our beans and go back to corn. Uh, we just haven't had this. The weather just hasn't cooperated this fall very well for that. No, it's been a challenge, no doubt about that. So, okay, let's just say we get this nice, sunny, warm week and a nice little breeze, everything dries out, and you can roll. If you get great conditions, how many more days of harvest have you got? Uh, we probably have a week left. Um with beans and then we can have it done unfortunately next week looks rainy about every day um so it looks like doesn't look like we're going to be done by halloween that's always my goal is to be done with harvest by halloween um doesn't look like that's going to happen this year now i will say that it's probably a good thing we have our corn harvested um we've had a lot of winds through this part of indiana and uh, it's taken a lot of this corn down and seen a few corn reels on that helps pick that up off the ground and get that fed through the machine so 
luckily we have that harvested and we don't have to deal with that. We, we raise, we don't raise, but some neighbors around here raise quite a bit of popcorn in this area of Indiana. Uh, that popcorn typically has weaker stalks and doesn't hold up as well to those kind of conditions. And boy, it, it has been down for about six weeks. So some of this popcorn has been flat. So I've, I've seen one or two fields that I'm sure they're just going to have to disregard. They've tried to get it and just can't get it to feed through the machine. It's just that low. Um, so it's, it's a struggle for a lot of crops this, this fall. Yep, it sure is. Well, well, Kendall, good luck to you. Hopefully that weather turns a little bit so you get a shot to get things done. Man, when you're only one week away, you're so close. Yeah, oh. yeah you can see the end in sight, and it, it gets kind of frustrating when you just can't get that weather you need to get finished up. You bet. Well, well hopefully, hopefully that comes soon. Thank you so much, Kendall. Really appreciate uh, all the information you shared today. Sure, good to talk to you. You bet. Uh, Brian, we had a question come in from Trent, and he said, I had some variable rate liming work done, and I'm just wondering what you see on these tests and if you think uh, we didn't get that liming done right or or if I had something else going on out there too. Well, yeah, but you missed a key part of his his statement here. He says he had this variable rate lime spread four years ago. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, that does make a big difference. So <laughs> right. with, with most of the lime, we expect within three years, you're going to see that fully expressed. Yeah. So and Now, unless unless it's a very coarse grade, then then it's going to take even longer. But for, Well, yeah, but it may never fully express itself then. Or uh, let me rephrase that. It may never change the pH like you want if it's a really coarse grade. Also, there's nothing saying, number one, the application was done perfectly. Now, I'm not saying it wasn't. But that's a possibility. But here's the other thing I want you to think about. Usually, soil pH is reflected maybe 0.2, 0.3 low. So in other words, if it's actually 6.3, it might show up as a 6 on a test when it's super dry. And this fall in your area, I don't know if it was super dry or if it wasn't. So that could be a little part of it. The other thing is you could look at your yield maps and how much yield you were pulling off and also your nitrogen application maps over the last four years because if you have excess nitrogen, that's one of the things that over time will drive your pH down. That happened to us on our farm before we were watching it closer. That may have happened for you as well. So I, I'm just saying at this point, it is what it is. Okay, so whether we evaluate it or we don't, the fact of the matter is it looks like you got a bunch of soil pH now in the fives. Now, it's not terrible because what I'm seeing is a lot of five eight, some five six. That's a heck of a lot better than fours. So, and and if let's say it was bone dry this fall when you were soil sampling, maybe that five eight is actually a six or a six one. And you're you're pretty darn close. So if you wanted to throw a little bit more lime out there, you probably could. You probably could get by with it. And then the other thing I would do is I would really pay close attention to nitrogen and see how you're doing on nitrogen every year. And I know he sent his soil test in and he's got so much stuff here. I don't know if I'm going to get through it in the next 10 seconds that I have time. Just seeing carryover N. I don't see a test for N, Darren. So I would test for N, Trent. That's what I would do. My guess is you got carryover nitrogen. You've had some each year. And we've been talking about that this fall. It's very important. Test for nitrogen on your fall test to see what's left after your previous crop. Thanks for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.